Welcome, everyone. Welcome in once again to Scout Team Sports. I am your host, DeValle, and this is the Scout Team Sports Podcast. And we are on every Thursday morning. This recording going on went Thursday morning. And we are covering every week of the NFL 2022-2023 season. This week, we get into week 11 but before we do that we have to start with a recap of week 10 and of course i always want to shout out all of my subscribers and listeners i appreciate each and every one of you which uh, whether you are listening on uh podcast addict podcast breaker overcast spotify google podcast apple podcast wherever you may be i do greatly appreciate you please continue to support this podcast i do greatly appreciate it with your listens and with your sharing of this podcast for those who love uh the nfl and nba we are nfl heavy right now because we're knee deep in the nfl season we will cover uh highlights uh, in terms of breaking stories, if you will, when it comes to the NBA. But at this point, we've already covered everything. So moving right along, we are going to recap uh, week 10 and then we'll get into week 11. So we start with Thursday night football last week and we had the Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I thought Marcus Mariota would be able to get it done against this somewhat weak team. But hey, lo and behold, uh, the Panthers do get it done uh, with a score of 25 to 15. Uh, PJ Walker um, did not do well in this game. So um, that is why they are going back to Baker Mayfield next week, uh, which I still don't agree with. But nonetheless, they are. Uh, but he did not do well uh, in the game. Only 10 for 16, 108 yards for the time that he was in. Uh, and then uh, it was mainly just uh, the Deontay Freeman show. Uh, uh, starting running back Deontay Freeman, 31 carries, 130 yards, and one touchdown. That led the charge, if you will. LaVisca Chenault with a rushing touchdown. And then four field goals from the kicker. And they win by a score of 25 to 15. So uh, the Panthers defense uh, getting the job done against uh, a team that doesn't really have much either in the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, they're in that rebuilding and bridge stage, if you will. But I still uh, thought that uh, Marcus Mariota would have probably trumped P.J. Walker. But hey, it's about a team effort. It's not just about the quarterback, even though the quarterback is normally the star of the show. He was definitely not in this one. Like I said, the star of the show, Deontay Freeman. And so the Panthers, even though this game should have never been on primetime television, I still stick with that stance. <laughs> uh, the Panthers still get uh, the win on Thursday night football. So we move into uh, the Sunday games. Of course, you go with your Sunday early, early, early morning game uh, with the Seahawks and Buccaneers playing in Munich, Germany. 
and the Buccaneers and Tom Brady get the win. Uh, I wasn't buying into all the hype in terms of Tom Brady talking about how important this game was, but in terms of his career and getting to play in Germany, I understand where he was coming from. So, hey, you know, if he was excited about it just because of that. Okay, great, wonderful. Uh, the Bucks get the win by a score of 21 uh, to 16. Um, the Bucks defense is underrated. I will say that much. It's just that they have a lot of guys injured, but they're starting to slowly get those guys back. Uh, Antoine Whitfield Jr. was uh, definitely uh, one key in the cog of the wheel, if you will, that they were happy to get back. Um, and they did limit uh, the Seahawks as far as their running game. Very, very limited. I always said that it was going to be uh, a blow to the Seahawks not having uh, Rashad Penny there, uh, former San Diego State alumni. Uh, and, um, yeah, so just, uh, you know, I, I understand Gino, and I still like Gino as a quarterback. I'm happy that he's getting this opportunity and that the Seattle Seahawks are doing well for his sake, and he is doing well for his own sake. Uh, but only 23 of 33 for 275 and two touchdowns. No picks, so played a clean game, if you will. But we all know that it's mainly, since there is no running game, it's Geno Smith to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You got DK with uh, six catches out of nine targets for 71 yards. Tyler Lockett also contributing uh, one touchdown as well as Marquise Goodman. Um, but that is pretty much all that they could muster up on offense. And it just was not enough uh, when it comes to the Bucks defense led by head coach Todd Bowles, who is, um, like I said, a very good defensive coach. Very well deserving of a head coaching position. I don't like the way that he got it, but nonetheless, he has it. Uh, and uh, once they get fully healthy, I think that this Buc Buccaneers team will definitely improve. And they desperately need it because Tom Brady and that offense are not what they once were, not even a year ago, let alone two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Brady going uh, 22 for 29, 258 yards passing and two touchdowns and one pick. Uh, Leonard Fournette getting involved in the passing game on a trick play, but that didn't work because he got a pick, he got picked too. Uh, but Leonard Fournette contributing 14 carries for 57 yards. Uh, would still like to see more production out of him. They definitely do need to continue to run the football more, but I mean 15 to 20 minimum is what he should be getting. He still, in my opinion, does not get enough carries, and the Bucks, in my opinion, still do not run the football enough. Uh, but you know Tom Brady's going to get it to Chris Godwin uh, and Mike Evans. Those are always his two biggest targets. Uh, Julio Jones contributing with three catches, 53 yards, and one touchdown. But mainly it was Chris Godwin uh, with six catches, 71 yards, and one touchdown. And then Mike Evans with five catches, 54 yards, and just enough. This is a low-scoring game. As I always say, 21 points and under is a low-scoring game in the NFL. The average scoring is about 22 to about 30. That's your average. So uh, this is uh, a defensive effort, if you will, a good defensive effort by the Buccaneers. And it is a low scoring game with the Buccaneers winning in Munich, Germany. And I still don't agree that any regular season game should be played out of the country. Uh, you could use the entire preseason for that for all I care. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Buccaneers get the win in Munich, Germany over the Seahawks. Next, we go to what was probably the most underrated but most exciting game of the weekend, and that is the Vikings 
at Buffalo Bills Vikings taking over in this game uh, just just really battling tooth and nail with the Buffalo Bills um, dare I say a Super Bowl preview if <laughs> is, is that possible uh, but nonetheless, uh, the the Vikings getting the win by a score of 33 to 30 in overtime. In overtime, uh, the way that this game played out, I I thought the the Bills were still going to take it. Uh, but nonetheless, Kirk Cousins, even with the bad performance, uh, in my opinion, um, yes, 30 for 50, 357 yards is good. One touchdown and two picks is not good. But what do I always say when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings? What do I always say and have always said? I'm going to stick to my guns because I know what I'm talking about, number one. And two, I'm not going to waver and falter. Now, if I happen to be wrong, I have to be wrong. But when I'm right, I'm right. And this is evidence of that. I always say when it comes to the Vikings, if Dalvin Cook cooks, the Vikings are more than likely going to win. Justin Jefferson is great. Justin Jefferson is wonderful. And in fact, of course, he went off in this game. 10 catches for 193 yards and one touchdown. Justin Jefferson as well as Tyreek Hill. Interesting race between the two. Let's see who's going to get to 2,000 yards first. If both can possibly get to 2,000 yards, that would be amazing. Uh, but Justin Jefferson is on pace just as Tyreek Hill is to break the 2,000 yard uh, receiving yard mark in a season. But as good as Justin Jefferson is, if it was left all to the passing game, Kirk Cousins would not be able to get the job done and win the game and put the game on his shoulders without a running game supporting. So kudos to Jeff Justin Jefferson. Wonderful job. Amazing job uh, with his lights out receiving and the 193 receiving yards that he that he got along with 10 catches and one touchdown. But it's Dalvin Cook's 14 carries on the ground for 119 yards rushing and one touchdown that is the main cog in the wheel that makes this offense go. If it wasn't for Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson would not be able to put up enough points by themselves. Dalvin Cook is the one that is creating opportunities for everybody else in the running game along with the offensive line. C.J. Ham got a rushing, a short yardage rushing touchdown to add on to things. But Dalvin Cook's 14 carries for 119 yards rushing, which I'm surprised that the Bills gave up that much um, on the ground, uh, is the main reason to me why they won this football game. Because, yes, Justin Jefferson went off, but if you look at Kirk Cousins' play, it wasn't good. Yes, he had a lot of yards passing, but 30 for 50 and then you first of all you having to pass that many times 30 for 50 i get overtime but still 30 for 50 and then one touchdown two picks if you score 33 points i'm expecting you to score to throw more than one touchdown okay i'm expecting you to score more than one touchdown uh but nonetheless uh the vikings get the job done. Like I said, I already went over Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson's stats. Those are the only uh, players that really stood out um, on uh, offense uh, for uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but uh, again, just getting the job done and proving the eight and one. Uh, I mean, man, even with what happened this past weekend, um, they're still not the most talked about in their own division. It's still the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and, that, and that's scary to me because I'm thinking, what are they going to do once they 
uh, once they get to the point where they def- they're just they've had it and they're fed up and they have to face the Packers again. Number one, they're going to stop a mud hole in them, um, and then two. Once they get to the playoffs, what are they going to do? I'm really curious to see what they're, what they're going to do because nobody's really checking for them, talking about them, probably underestimating them, and it doesn't make it any better for them when Kirk Cousins doesn't play well. But nonetheless, the Vikings get the win, and the Buffalo Bills are dropping now to 6-3. and three. Uh, Josh Allen, 29 for 43, 330 yards, one touchdown to two picks, so an off game for him as well. He knows he has to clean that up, number one. Two, he should not be the leading rusher in the game. I don't care if he breaks one open, and oh, that's wonderful. But him with six carries and 84 yards should not be leading in the game. Devin Singletary, the most carries with 13, but only 47 yards. That has to change. Of course, Stefan Diggs is going to do his thing. 12 catches for 128 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, but Gabriel Davis contributes with six catches, 93 yards, and one touchdown. And the Bills fall just short. Again, surprised that the Bills defense would give up uh, that many points. But I get, you know, when they face the top teams, the top half of the teams, the high-powered teams, um, you know, you're, you're going. it's going to be a tougher matchup for you. So it's not like you're going to be able to just shut them down uh, under 20 points every time. Uh, when it comes to the the good, the really good teams in the league. Um, but still, I didn't think it'd be this high. Uh, so this is, like I said, pushing the mark toward past normal, getting into high scoring. When I said 22 to about 30 points, and this is just over that mark. Um, but not taking anything away from the Vikings. Um, and again, I'm, I just think, you know, both offenses really came to play as opposed to both defenses kind of dropping the ball a little bit. Uh, but nonetheless, the Vikings get the win in a very exciting game. Uh, but these two teams, to me, are definitely playoff bound. So I'm not taking anything away from either one of them. Vikings 8-1, and one, Bills 6-3, and three, uh, to be continued for the rest of their season and what they do in the playoffs. Next, we get to Lions and Bears. I did get this one right as well. Um, when it comes to the bottom half of the teams, I'm pretty sure, I'm confident that the Lions could beat any one of them. I was saying the bottom half of the league, bottom half of the league, you split the league straight in half, uh, 16 to 16 uh, for 32 teams. The bottom half, the 16 worst teams in the league, the Lions could beat any one of them. Honestly, the Lions could. Because even though they don't have a defense, they have an offense led by Jared Goff. Like I said, he has no stars on that team, but they can put up some points. They can put up some points, and even though the Bears have somewhat of a good defense, I'd say in between average and good, they're right in there. They're not good yet, but they're not as bad as average. Um, Look what they do. They give up 31 points, and like I said, the Lions, uh, after beating the Packers the previous week and now their second straight division win over the Bears, like I said, I'm not surprised, number one, because of what Jared Goff can do with that offense, and number two, because of what Justin Fields can usually cannot do (laughs) with his offense and so you know yeah okay they put up 30 points but this time the defense doesn't come to play and you would think that if the Bears offense came to play then the defense should have no problem keeping the the opposing team under 30 points so so that they could come away with the win but this time they don't get it done and like I said uh with the Bears they're in the bottom half for a reason so 
even though Jared Goff did not have astronomical numbers, not even close, uh, to me, he still leads this team, and the way that he leads this team is just something that I think really works for them, works for this group of guys. Two rushing touchdowns in the game by Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, and then Jared Goff adds um, a, a passing touchdown, one passing touchdown, and then the rest with field goals, and the the Detroit Lions get the win. You do want to uh, shout out St. Brown for 10 catches, 119 yards. Uh, but nonetheless, this is this is a, a showing that, you know, is very Lions-esque, if you will. High scoring shootout win uh, for them. Like I said, just over the 30-point threshold uh, of, of normal average scoring to getting into high scoring, 31 uh, to 30. Uh, and this this is how the Lions win games. They're not going to win that many, but like I said, the bottom half of the league, they're capable to beat any one of them. Justin Fields, 21, 12 for 20, 167 yards passing, two touchdowns and one interception. Uh, that's definitely not going to get it done. Uh, with him running the football as crazy as he is, 13 carries for 147 yards and two touchdowns, it's it's impressive. It's probably nice to see for the home crowd to wow them and kind of get a rise out of them, but that's not winning football. It's not. If you have to rush, I mean, because this is not college, okay? Now, you can get away with that against the Lions defense, but against most defenses, you're going to get checked really quick. So I wouldn't get comfortable trying to do that every game because you're going to get checked. You're going to get chin checked. Matter of fact, I don't think Justin Fields has had his welcome to the NFL hit yet. Keep in mind, every quarterback, every young quarterback, every rookie quarterback is still has to have that. If you haven't had it, it's coming. I just hope you can survive it. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, look, you're, you can do that against the Lions defense. The Lions can't stop a cold. The Lions cannot. They can't stop a cold on defense. It's the reason why they got Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the, the second overall pick in the draft. They still need to uh, build and build and build and build. Uh, I really thought that um, Okuda for the Lions was going to really anchor uh, that defense, uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, yeah, he got one pick, but I just, you know, he's still young. I'll give it to him. He's still young. He's still got time. Uh, but I'm really looking that for Jeff Okuda to uh, really, really anchor that defense and really be like a force to be reckoned with. And I really think that that along with Aiden Hutchison coming along is the start of what the Lions really do need on defense, but they're nowhere close to that because anybody can score on the defense and it's up to Jared Goff and that offense to win shootouts. That's the only way that they're winning football games this season. But hats off to the Lions for getting the win because I did predict that they would win. And next we get on to the Chiefs and Jaguars. Not much to talk about in this game. You knew who was going to win. You knew who was going to lose. Pat Mahomes getting the job done at home against the Jaguars by a score of 27 to 17. Um, even with uh, the Chiefs defense still being their Achilles heel, and it is still a very, very critical one because come playoff time, I don't trust that defense to bail the Chiefs out if the Chiefs go up against a decently uh, tough team in the first or second round of the playoffs, depending on where they land. Um, 
that, that could spell trouble for them. But for right now, the regular season, yeah, they ain't got nothing to worry about because most of these teams either don't have a good defense, uh, and, and that means Pat Mahomes is going to run all over them uh, or mow them down, or they don't have a good offense, which means their defense is going to stay on the field the entire game, and Pat Mahomes will just wear them down. So that, of course, is what the case is in this game with the Chiefs winning 27-17. to 17. Honestly, the Chiefs could be blowing teams out even more than what they are. But sometimes I think it is Andy Reid's actually pulling back the reins. And sometimes I'm thinking, you know, sometimes they're messing up. And sometimes they're, you know, they got a little kink here, a little kink there in the armor of the Chiefs. Uh, and uh, the, you know, the defense has to get on the field, of course. And then sometimes they're giving up points. But they didn't have to worry about that much when it came to the Jaguars because the Jaguars can only beat the Raiders because the Raiders offense can't play a full game. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Can you tell who my favorite team is? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to my favorite team in a little bit. Yeah, very excited about that. But anyway, Chiefs over the Jaguars. Next we have Dolphins. Uh, hosting the Browns. I'm not surprised by this one here. I am surprised by how much, though. Uh, but the Dolphins getting the win 39-17. to Like I said, Tyreek Hill is the other wide receiver um, that is on pace to get to 2,000 yards, uh, receiving yards this season. Amazing, amazing accomplishment if he were to get there. Uh, but I'm just happy that Tua is healthy, number one. Hope that he doesn't get any more concussions, any more head injuries. I still stand behind what I say that he should not be playing. I would make him rest the entire season, but I get that the coach wants to win and the owner wants his money and they, they, they want what they want. And I know Tua himself wants to play. Uh, so I'm just happy that he is uh, healthy and he is successful. And I'm just hoping that he doesn't get hurt because two concussions in less than a week is still uh, nothing to play with. And I still fear for his safety, but in the meantime, he is doing good. 25 for 32 uh, 285 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, all in all, when you do see um, Tua throwing the ball, uh, it really is more so Tyreek Hill than it is Tua because a lot of times Tua is underthrowing Tyreek, but the thing is Tyreek has so much speed, he can slow down, almost stop, catch the ball, and then still run away fast enough to where a defender who he's already four to five yards ahead of still can't catch him. That's really what happens most of the time with Tyreek Hill. It's not so much Tua, it's more that Tyreek Hill and what he does with the ball once he catches it, which is amazing, um, like no one else in the league right now. Um, but they do get contributions in the running game, and the thing is, if you get contributions in the running game as well as the two weapons that you have at wide receiver for the Dolphins offense, I mean, there's a reason they're 7-3 and three right now. Their offense is lethal. A healthy Tua, you got Jeff Wilson going off 17 carries, 119 yards, and one rushing touchdown. Raheem Mostert adding, adding uh, 65 yards rushing and one rushing touchdown. And then you've got Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, who could do anything at any given time um, lethally and can tear you up. So Tyreek Hill gets one receiving touchdown, Alec Ingold gets one receiving touchdown, Trent Sherfield gets one receiving touchdown, and Jalen Waddle leads the way with four catches and 66 yards. So, I mean, Jalen Waddle's fast too. So, I mean, it, that, that wide receiving core uh, may be uh, the best overall 
wide receiving core in the league. When you think about the speed of Tyreek Hill, the speed of Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki is a force at tight end, a wide receiving tight end. He's basically a Tony Gonzalez-esque um, uh, tight end, if you will, which is mainly all receiving and no run blocking. Uh, and then you've got other wide receivers that he can throw to, Trent Surfield, fullback Alec Ingold, um, as a whole, and the different people that he gets it to, uh, that is probably the most versatile wide receiving core. I mean, nobody on the team got more than six targets, and that was Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill only got six targets in that game, and they whooped the, the Browns behind, literally. So if he's spreading the ball out that evenly and everybody's making an impact and you add on the running game, come on now. The Dolphins are a force. The Dolphins are a force. And they're actually tied now with the Buffalo Bills, who I was like, yeah, the Bills are taking the division again. But they're tied with the Buffalo Bills and actually are ahead, not only because they have played an extra game and they haven't had their bye yet, but because one of their wins has already been against the Bills. They gave the Bills their first loss of the season. So technically, the Dolphins are in first place in the AFC East right now. That's crazy. I didn't think, I was like, okay, they'll be second place, but I didn't think first. Not even this early. I was like, uh, uh wow. <laughs> so just playing lights out football, just hats off to them. Like I said, I hope that, um, uh, I hope that Tua can stay healthy. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, it's just uh, rough sledding for the Browns. Jacoby Brissett's playing as good as he can play, but he does have a limit. He does have a cap. That's the reason why he's been a backup for most of his career. Um, Nick Chubb, only 11 carries. Um, if, you're, uh, if your base, your bread and butter is running game and defense, why is Nick Chubb only running the ball 11 times and Kareem Hunt only six times? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, I really don't. Uh, and then you have the leading wide receiver, Donovan's Peoples, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Five catches for 99 yards. So of course, that's not going to get it done on offense. And they're just struggling. And even after 11 games, I don't think Deshaun Watson with the, the second civil suit is going to make it back. So the Browns will stay as the Cleveland Browns, uh, regardless of who's at quarterback. So that is unfortunate. But hey, uh, the Dolphins earned that win. And look out the Dolphins. Look at what the Dolphins are doing in the AFC East and are playoff bound, if you will. Uh, still, he's still a little ways to go, but I mean, I don't see how they don't make it to the playoffs. I really don't. But moving on, we get to the Texans at the Giants. Giants win 24-16, 7-2, another team that's just quietly creeping up there um, and neck and neck right in the thick of things in the NFC East with the Eagles and the Cowboys. And this is really Giants style of football. Giants aren't blowing anybody out, but Giants have to just play a solid game. Their defense comes to play, keep the other team under 20 points. You get over 20 points. And usually that spells a New York Giants win. Usually it does. Uh, the Giants, uh, just like I said, Daniel Jones doesn't have to win the football game. He just has to play a clean game. Of course, Saquon Barkley is the star of that offense. 35 carries, 152 yards, and one rushing touchdown against the Texans, which anybody could pretty much do uh, as bad as they are. But then Daniel Jones, only 13 for 17, 197 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. 
that's really all you need from him. And I'm surprised and uh, admiring the fact that he is accepting his role. He's not the star of the show. Don't try to put the game on your back. Don't try to win the game yourself. Uh, it, it runs through Saquon. Let it go through Saquon. And you pick up the pieces. You pass when you need to. Make safe throws. Make clean throws. No picks. Get your, get your safe touchdowns. Don't worry about how many passing yards you're going to get. You're not going to get that many. And they do what they do, and they win the football game, and they have a good defense. So Darius Slayton leads the way in the receiving game with three catches, 95 yards, and one touchdown. Lawrence Cager also getting a receiving touchdown. That's pretty much all you need. <laughs> the Giants get over 21 points, and their defense comes to play. It's going to be hard to beat them. So there's a reason they're 7-2 and two as well. Yes, they beat the Texans, which is not saying much. But nonetheless, you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And even with the Texans being as bad as 1-7-1, and one, the Giants' style of football is not blowing anybody out. They'll get the solid win. They'll get the sure win. And that's what they do. So, uh, again, another team that's playoff bound that's not getting the majority of the attention because of other teams in their division. But nonetheless, I am interested to see what the Giants can possibly do uh, when it comes to playoff time. Next, we get Saints at Steelers. Um, was surprised the Steelers were, were actually playing well in this game. I thought the Saints would take it. Um, and yes, they did look good two weeks ago against the Raiders, but everybody looks good against the Raiders when the Raiders don't play a full game of football. I'm okay. I'm okay. I am. I am. I'm fine. I am fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But anyway, uh, Saints dropped this one to the Steelers. Steelers win by a score of 20 to 10. Andy Dalton not doing well in this game. 17 for 27 uh, and 174 yards. One touchdown and two picks. Nothing almost from Alvin Kamara in the rushing game and the running game. Only eight carries for 26 yards. Jawan Johnson, five catches for 44 yards and one receiving touchdown. And the Saints offense did not come to play at all. Uh, so the Steelers pretty much got one handed to them uh, pretty much. Kenny Pickett, a rookie quarterback, 18 for 30, 199 yards, no touchdowns, but also no picks. Uh, and they'd get things done in the running game. Najee Harris, uh, 20 carries for 99 yards. Kenny Pickett, their rookie quarterback rushing eight times, 51 yards, and one rushing touchdown. And that is Steelers football, if you will. Low scoring, not pretty at all, <laughs> and and they get it done. Uh, wanted to talk about, like, uh, two guys that I am um, very, very, I would say, not necessarily high on, but very interested in, in terms of the trade deadline and, and what, what hasn't happened and what I thought would happen. One of them is Chase Claypool, and I'm just like, what's going on with Chase Claypool? Of course, not present in this game, but uh, what's going on with Chase Claypool? What's going on with Kareem Hunt? Those seem like two guys that I just think that other teams should be trying to trade for, you know, um, just because things, you know, the, the Steelers are in a rebuilding year. Uh, and then the Browns, it's clear that Nick Chubb is lead running back. Why not somebody pick off Kareem Hunt who needs a running back like the L.A. Rams? I don't understand why they haven't gone after Kareem Hunt. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Like, why would you not do that? It makes no sense to me. But 
And again, for somebody who needs a wide receiver, why not go after Chase Claypool? Why not make a trade for him? He's a surefire, when he's healthy, he's a surefire bet more so than anything coming out of the draft right now. And we just had a wide receiver heavy draft this past draft. So if you didn't get yourself a wide receiver this past draft and you really needed one, you're going to have to wait at least till the year after next because next the next draft is not going to be wide receiver heavy. It's going to be quarterback heavy. And uh, yeah, why would you not ch trade for Chase Claypool if you need a wide receiver? I don't understand that. But nonetheless, the Steelers get the win by a score of 20 to 10. And we're moving on. Next we go to Broncos at Titans. I thought that some way, somehow, the Broncos might squeak out a win here. But silly me. I know Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson of this year. <laughs> uh, and uh, the Titans get a low-scoring win in this game by a score of 17 to 10. And to me, the Broncos D did come to play, but of course, Russell Wilson, this new Russell Wilson that we're experiencing, is just and they just keep riding with it, and they won't bench him, especially now that he, they're paying him so much money. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're pretty much getting what you're getting. I've already said the reason why I think he's not playing well. It yeah yeah it like i said when he started his career he had a certain he had certain people around him that are not around him anymore and now he has certain people around him that, that to me i just you know your your nucleus is important and it could either hurt you or it can help you and i think russell's experiencing both nonetheless we're moving on because it's the broncos and so i you know if they lose i'm good with that anyway Russell Wilson, 21 for 42, 286 yards. He did everybody expecting him to be better. Yes. Everybody's saying they're quarterback away, they're quarterback away, they're quarterback away. They're still a quarterback away. <laughs> 21 for 42, 286, one touchdown, one pick. Not what you need from Russell Wilson. The running game contributing very minimal with Latavius Murray, nine carries for 24 yards. Melvin Gordon, seven carries for 24 yards. And the the Broncos can't get anything done on offense. One big play for one catch for 66 yards and one touchdown scored by Jalen Virgil. But other than that, the Broncos can't do anything on offense. They put their defense in a bind uh, and they lose a low scoring game. Broncos defense, like I said, did well uh, because they held Derrick Henry to 19 carries for 53 yards. That's actually a really, really good job. But then the the if the the offense of the Broncos can't do anything. The defense stays on the field too long. They get tired. They give up points. And you make Ryan Tannehill look halfway decent with 19 of 36, 255 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. I'm not giving Ryan Tannehill any credit for this win. I'm giving it to the fact that Russell Wilson can't be Russell Wilson. And he allowed his defense to get run all over by Nick Westbrook Ekehein. Uh, five catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns. You let one dude run all over or run rough shot over the tight uh, the Broncos defense, then that means they're tired. They're tired. They're not getting any help from their offense, and they've pretty much given up because they know they're not getting help. That's the only way the Broncos defense allows one dude to run wild on them for 119 receiving yards and two touchdowns. That's the only way that happens. And that was enough. That alone was enough because Derrick Henry didn't do anything in this game, pretty much. 
that alone was enough to beat the Broncos D into submission. That's really saying something because that means they're getting no help from their offense and they're pretty much probably saying, well, you know what? If our offense don't want to play for us, if Russell wasn't the one to play for us, what are we busting our behinds out here for? Seriously. And, of course, now we're getting to the fun part. We're getting to your favorite part and mine. It's time to play Raiders lose by less than a touchdown A again. Colts over my Las Vegas Raiders by a score of 25. And of course, you know the Raiders do what they do best, and they falter. Uh, what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? If you watch the game, you cannot put this on the defense. People are gonna say, "Oh, the defense gave up this. The defense gave up that." Look, I know what the defense is. I know what the offense is. The offense is supposed to be way better than what they are. The defense is playing at their caliber level. The offense has most of the money tied up on that team, on the offense, and they're not producing. They're not. First of all, you got Darren Waller still hurt. Ever since he signed his contract extension, he's been hurt. Hunter Renfro's hurt. So you got pretty much Devontae Adams out there doing it by himself in the passing game. That's not fair. Against a Colts defense that can play well when they want to. On top of that, you put Matt Ryan in, and they had the backup quarterback in, but then Jeff Saturday is all of a sudden the interim head coach, and he's coming in, so you're not prepared for how Jeff Saturday's going to coach. You're not prepared for Matt Ryan because they had benched him previously, and now he's back in this game. But even still, the Raiders' defense, I think, did a good job in terms of uh, playing against this Colts offense, but what happens when your team doesn't come to play on offense for a whole game? The Raiders' offense should be scoring more than 20 points. Remember I said, under 21 points is low scoring, which means you didn't even give your team a chance to win the football game by scoring an average amount of points. At least score an average amount of points in the average range in order to give your team a chance to win. If they score one more touchdown, that's 27 to 25. That's in the average range. That wins the football game. But no, the Raiders' offense could not get it done. Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach. He should have never gotten the head coaching spot in the first place. Derek Carr, while being a good quarterback, is not good enough to get us to the promised land. He is not going to get us to a Super Bowl. He just got his first playoff appearance last year. And when they get in the red zone, I don't care what the head coach is calling. I don't care what the offensive coordinator is calling. When you get in the red zone, you as a quarterback have to punch the ball in the end zone. When you get in the red zone, get your behind in the end zone. Get your offense in the end zone. And Derek Carr cannot do that. They were dead last last year and getting in the end zone once they get in the red zone. They proved it once again here at the end of the game, the final drive to get into the end zone when they were just inside the 20-yard line, they could not punch it in the end zone. That's on Derek Carr. That is on Derek Carr. Part of it, I'll give a small percentage in that regard. The entire game as a whole, definitely Josh McDaniels. But in the red zone, 
it is leadership time. It is time to get that team in the end zone, punching in. You've got the defense with the backs against the wall. Get the ball in the end zone, quarterback. That's your freaking job. That's your job more than anything else, is when they're that close, you don't settle for field goals, you get a touchdown. And Derek Carr is not capable of doing that. How are you dead last last year in red zone touchdowns and you still made the playoffs under an interim coach who took over, who should have still been the coach after John Gruden got fired and Rich Basaccia? Who else? Who, name me another interim coach that gets his team to the playoffs. Who else does that? Rich Basaccia got them, after Gruden got fired, he led them to a playoff appearance, 10-7. and seven, And barely lost at the last second to the Bengals, who got a, a touchdown in that game that they did not earn. And it shouldn't have been a touchdown because the play was called off when Joe Burrow was running out of bounds. Almost beat the team that went to the Super Bowl last year in the first round of the playoffs, and you don't give that guy the job. You go with the guy. I, I Every time, I have to say his resume every time because y'all just, somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to understand it one of these days. I'm, I'm praying that somebody does. A guy that... Got the head coaching job as for the Broncos way back when. Who was part of Spygate under the Patriots. Goes to Denver. Does the same Spygate crap. Illegally taping the other team. As a Broncos head coach. Gets fired from the Broncos. Accepting the head coaching job of the Colts. Waits till August and reneges. Goes back to New England. Now he comes to Las Vegas with his GM, who did a good job with shopping for groceries. But Josh McDaniels himself is not a good head coach. I don't care how, look, some guys are not meant to be head coaches. They could be brilliant offensive and defensive coordinators. They could be brilliant minds. But that does not make them a leader of men. That does not make them the guys that should be making final decisions. He cannot get this team to play, this offense, to play an entire game of football. As talented as your offense is, as much money as you have going into your offense right now, you guys should be able to score at least the average range of points every game. Every game. There is no complete lights out defense in this league there are really really good defenses but nobody is lights out to where they're holding a team under 20 points every single game we just even saw the bills the bills don't even are probably still arguably the best defense in the league and even they are not able to hold every offense under 20 points because the game is geared toward the offense. So how is it that you as an offense with Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro 
you can't get the ball in the end zone enough times. <sighs> okay, I'm done. I just, I'm done. You can't even score the average range of points. Only 20 points. That's not on the defense. That's on the offense. The offense had a chance to win the football game at the end. Could have got it in the end zone. Got inside the 20-yard line. They were in the red zone. Could not punch it in the end zone. That's been their problem last year and their problem this year. And now their coaching staff is worse. So that's why they're 2-7. and seven. At least Rich Versace would have had them with a better winning record than this. The Colts get one handed to them. Get a, get on a silver platter. Because the Raiders continue. They, they like losing games by less than a touchdown. They like it. Yeah, they enjoy it. They enjoy losing. Oh, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. We almost won. Moral victory. All right, we're moving on. Cowboys at Packers. Thought the Cowboys were going to take this one. Really surprised. It's like Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be there, but then every now and then there's a certain team where he's like, I'm not letting this team beat us. I just, I just, no, I can't. I, I have to stick it to him. I really do. And lo and behold, you know what I didn't, you know what I didn't think about? I was like, okay, Cowboys, better defense, better ingredients, Papa John's. But anyway. Better offense, I would say, the way they've been playing. Better, much better defense than the Packers. There's something I was like, you know, I was like, you know, and if Aaron Rodgers checks out, you can forget it. But if he checks in, we might have a ball game on our hands. And what did I, what did I fail to realize? What did I, I this is on me. I don't know why I just overlooked this because I guess I just figured it wasn't going to be a factor. Aaron Rodgers is playing against his former head coach. Hello. If it's one thing that Aaron Rodgers is going to protect, it's his ego. Now, did he ever say that he owned the Lions? No, he didn't. He said he owned the Bears. There's a difference. So losing to the Lions, I don't think it's a big deal to him. And you say, oh, it's the Lions and it's embarrassing. Well, look, look, it's the Lions. Yeah, I mean, why does he care? As many times as he has beaten the Lions, does he really care? No. But who, what, what does, does what do you think would affect Aaron Rodgers' ego more. Losing to the Detroit Lions or losing to Mike McCarthy? Losing to Mike McCarthy. He don't want to lose to the guy that he couldn't stand when he was there. So he actually got up for this game. He put on the Aaron Rodgers-esque of old, if you will. And he was playing his guts. He, man... I mean, this 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 is this is what the Dallas Cowboys feared, and old silly Jerry Jones thought that oh he took the head coach away from Green Bay, and and because you know when Green Bay would beat them in the playoffs, he thought that it was all on the head coach. I'm like, are you serious? You know it wasn't Mike McCarthy that was beating you when the Packers were beating you in the playoffs. You know it was Aaron Rodgers. What did you? Oh, you thought you. <laughs> Oh, oh, he knows Aaron Rodgers, so yeah, we'll have a game plan against him. And Mike McCarthy still comes out and lays an egg. Aaron Rodgers, 14 for 20, 224 yards, three touchdowns. Even if he doesn't have off-the-chart numbers, it's Aaron Rodgers' leadership. When he's locked in, He that that's enough. Even if he's a jerk in the locker room, when he's on, you know you have a chance to win the football game. So you know if you just do your part, you guys will be solid. 
And look at what happened. Aaron Jones running the football. Look at this. The Packers running the football. 24 carries for 138 yards against the Cowboys D and one touchdown. That is like, I didn't see that one coming. I really didn't. I didn't think they were going to try to run the ball that much. A.J. Dillon with 13 carries for 65 yards. Just between those two guys alone, that's 37 rushes. I am shocked. And then you pile on what Aaron Rodgers did. A clean game. No picks. Three touchdown passes to only 224 yards passing, but that's all they needed. Like, I mean, he got up for this game. He got up for this game. Yes, he did. Doesn't even ha doesn't have even close to a decent wide receiving core, and he still beats the Cowboys, who I'm thinking are playoff bound and should have won this game, and lose by a score of 31 to 28. Dak Prescott, on the other hand, 27 for 46, 265 yards, three touchdowns, but two picks. Tony Pollard going off for 22 carries, 115 yards, and one touchdown. So the, the, the Cowboys did what they were supposed to do in the running game. They got their running yards on. C.D. Lamb, 11 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. But Dak throwing in two picks. Missed the whole thing up. As well as Mike McCarthy being the head coach. <laughs> Uh, see, see, see what you all realize, what you uh, and see what you got to understand is Aaron Rodgers is cool now because he ain't got to win another game the rest of the season. He got his 50 mil guaranteed and he just stuck it to Mike McCarthy. He's happy. He, they might not win another game because Aaron Rodgers don't care nothing about us. He's got to beat the Bears because he said I own the Bears, so he's got to live up to his ego. And then he, he beat Mike McCarthy, his former head coach. He's good. There's nothing else to prove. There's nothing else to do this season. He's going to go back on a, a Pat McAfee show and, and criticize his wide receivers. <laughs> That's all he's going to do. It's over. Packer season's done. This is your Super Bowl. Congratulations. Oh, man. But, yeah, Cowboys should have won that game. Cowboys should have won that game. If we're talking about positioning and playoff seeds and stuff like that, NFC game that you really should have won. Uh, yeah, really dropping the ball, Cowboys, on that one. Next, we get to Cardinals at Rams. Cardinals picking up the win in this one. Like I said before, you could have flipped a coin with both these teams and how bad that they're playing. Um, <clears throat> for the life of me, I still don't understand why the Rams won't go and get a running back. You see what the Niners did in getting Christian McCaffrey and because they know they needed more help in the running game. So why wouldn't you do the same thing, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, yeah, the Rams with brilliant Sean, uh, Sean McVay? Uh, no, you want Cam Akers leading the way with six carries and 22 yards. Kareem Hunt would help you in the running game and the passing game. And he would that means it would help out <laughs> Cooper Cup. But no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Okay. All right, all right. Do you do you. I guess they're good because they won the Super Bowl last year. And they ain't tripping about this year. They ain't going to take this year off. <laughs> but nonetheless, you got John Wolford throwing the football uh, this game. 24 for 36. 1-1. One and one. And then uh, for the Cardinals, you got Colt McCoy. Go Colt McCoy still in the league. 26 for 37, 238, and one touchdown. And, yeah, 
pretty much both these teams are like, eh, whatever. We don't care. DeAndre Hopkins, 10 catches for 98 yards uh, as the Cardinals get the job done without Kyler Murray. 27-17. to 17. But like I said, yeah, both of these teams have fallen from grace. And the thing is, the division leader in the Seahawks is not even got that big of an impressive of a record as far as a lead it's only about a two-game lead but yet i don't see either of these teams making the playoffs as bad as they're playing but we're moving on sunday night football you had the chargers and the 49ers i did get this one right um the chargers like i said they just don't look good and um like i said i don't buy into any dark horse talk and people talking about how good they look on paper it doesn't matter if you can't produce on the field. So until the Chargers actually produce on the field, I'm not going to pick them against the top half teams in the league. Uh, and this is evident by what happened in this game. Justin Herbert, 21 for 35, 196 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He's better than that, but he didn't play better than that. Austin Eckler, to me, is not even in the top half of running backs in the league. But that's who they continue to go with as their starting running back. And six carries for 24 yards against this Niners defense. Not going to get you anything. DeAndre Carter, four catches for 64 yards, one touchdown leading the way. Uh, yes, they didn't have uh, Mike Williams. Uh, and yes, they didn't have uh, Keenan Allen. Uh, but still, um, yeah, the, the way that they play, even when those guys are in the game, they don't throw... Uh, I think they overuse Keenan Allen and they don't use Mike Williams enough. Um, and Mike Williams to me is probably the most diamond in the roughest uh, wide receiver in the league. Uh, on the other side, Jimmy Garoppolo not showing well at all either, but they didn't need it because they have the dynamic duo, uh, which really didn't do much, but they, they, they get the, the Niners just get the job done by hook by crook by magic by magic trick and what else whatever else they want to just throw in a pot uh jimmy for 19 for 28 248 240 yards uh no touchdowns no picks but then the running game took over with elijah mitchell 18 carries for 89 yards christian mccaffrey gets a uh, rushing touchdown with 14 carries and only 38 yards Debo samuel four carries 27 yards Brandon Ayuk, six catches for 84 yards in the passing game. And the Niners get a low-scoring win by a score of 22-16. to 16. This is a 49er win. They don't usually blow out teams either. They just get a solid win, you know, a, a rough, ugly win. That's the way that they play. And that was your Sunday night football matchup. And the upset of the century, if you will. Uh, but I always did have, uh, I always knew that like Taylor Henneke coming back in to start over Carson Wentz was always a good idea. I'm surprised they didn't do it sooner. Uh, but nonetheless, Taylor Henneke and the Washington Commanders go in to Philly and knock off the previously undefeated Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 32 to 21. I mean, like, I don't see how you don't give Heineke the the starting job permanently. Like, there should be no question you're not going back to Carson Wentz. You need to go ahead and sign him to a multi-year deal, let him grow into the position, and see what you get. And he's earned it. He was a starter last year when you didn't want him and you had him as a backup. He took a back seat, waited his turn, let you fiddle around with Carson Wentz. Then he comes back in and you've been winning football games ever since he's been in. 
Yes, you're only five and five, but look at what you have been with Tyler Henneke, Taylor Henneke versus without. He lifts the spirits of the entire team. The team actually wants to play now. The team actually wants to compete now. And they go in and knock off the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles in Philly. Division rival game. A score of 32 to 21. If you don't give Heide Taylor Heineke the starting job, I mean, he's earned that. He has earned that. He has very much earned it. He is, he's not going to have spectacular numbers. But neither does Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts is on an 8-1 and one team now. But look at the leadership. Look at how he plays. Look how hard and his heart and everything and how his teammates play for him. That's what it's all about. Taylor Hennigan only going 17 for 29, 211 yards, no touchdowns and one pick. But Antonio Gibson, 14 carries for 44 yards, one rushing touchdown. Terry, scary Terry, eight catches for 128 yards and just putting the team in position to win. Like that's, you can't ask for much more than that from your quarterback as a leader. And then you get, the defense of the Washington Commanders getting involved with interceptions and the Eagles just didn't. I think they were really thinking they were going to just roll in there and it was going to be easy street. I really do. Jalen Hurts was 17 for 26, only 175 yards passing, two touchdowns and one interception. And they don't really do what they normally would do in the running game with Miles Sanders, only 12 carries for 54 yards and then you have in the receiving game Quez Watkins as your leading receiver with four catches and 80 yards. Devontae Smith only getting six catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. And then, of course, A.J. Brown uh, getting hurt in the game, uh, but hoping that he does return. Uh, but still, that, that they just had a game plan that the Eagles were not ready for. Washington comes in and upsets Philly, and so no more undefeated teams. But I think this is a, this is... This is uh this is actually good for Philly. Like well, a lot of teams when they go on these long winning streaks and then they get that first loss, then you really see where that team is, what they're made of. Some uh some games were a solid win, other games you were barely winning. Now somebody has trumped you, now somebody has exposed you. Now let's see what you do. Do you come back even stronger, even more solid, or do you falter? But we will get into Week 11, on the other side of this break, I do appreciate all my subscribers. Once again, continue to share and subscribe to this podcast and wherever you are listening. I do greatly appreciate you. Again, this is The Valiant with Scout Team Sports. Week 11 on the other side of the break. Be back in a minute. Scout Team Sports, and we're right back in it on the other side of the break. Appreciate everybody for continuing to listen and tuning in. And once again, shout out to all of my subscribers. Please continue to like, please continue to subscribe, and please continue to share this podcast with all other NFL sports fans that we are NFL heavy in this season of the podcast here on Scout Team Sports. Once again, I'm your host, Devalian, and we're getting into week 11 of the 2022-2023 NFL season. We're starting off with our Thursday night football game, Titans at Packers. For this one, um, I got to go with the Packers here. I, I don't like, I don't really trust the uh, Titans. Like I said, I don't trust Tannehill. If they, if any defense just focuses in on 
Derrick Henry, and then you have to force Ryan Tannehill to beat you, unless you're the lowly Broncos who can't do anything on offense, um, <laughs> then uh, uh, unless you're Russell Wilson and yeah, then you should be able to score at least 21 points and beat this Titans football team. Because I really don't see Derrick Henry just going off for three to four touchdowns uh, against any team because they know how too much of, they know that he's too much of a threat to just let him run wild. And two, he's not what he once was before the foot surgery. Three, if you know that you can force Ryan Tannehill to try to beat you and more more often than not, he will not be successful. Why not do that? So I think the Packers do that. And all the be it their defense is not great. Uh, to me, they're in between the average and good. Um, I think that the Packers defense will do enough to slow down Derrick Henry, force Ryan Tannehill to beat you, and that won't be enough as Aaron Rodgers will then wear down the Titans defense and he will score enough, uh, leading that offense to score enough, just enough to win that football game. I don't think this one's going to be high scoring. This might make it into the average scoring range, 22 to 30 points. Uh, but I think that this will be, this might be like one foot in low scoring, one foot in average scoring. I'm looking for like a 24-21 victory by the Packers. So yeah, picking the Packers over the Titans. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come to play in this one just enough to get the job done. Next, we have Bears at Falcons, another lowly game here. Uh, Justin Fields is having a field day, if you will. You knew that pun was coming. Um, Justin Fields having a field day running the football, but that's not going to get the job done if you want to win football games because you guys need a running back. I get it. You want to run because you don't have any help. But like I said, he hasn't gotten his welcome to the NFL hit yet. Look, there's nothing wrong with running, but you got to be smart about it. You can't just be like, uh, I'm going to run for 200 yards a game every game. No, it's not happening because they're going to start putting a spy on you. They're going to have one that's at linebacker or even a safety that's fast enough to catch you once they pick up what you're trying to put down on a regular basis. And then that's all she wrote. Um, so with the Bears... And then the Falcons, I trust Marcus Mariota to be a little bit smarter. And I'm going to pick the Falcons to win this game, although I really don't trust either team as a whole in their consistency and how they play on offense or defense. But I'm just going to pick the Falcons because it just doesn't seem like the Bears can do anything aside from Justin Fields trying to do everything. And that's not a recipe for success. So picking the uh, Falcons over the Bears. Next... We have Panthers at Ravens. They're putting Baker Mayfield back in the, in the starting role. I really don't agree with this. Number one, when you make a quarterback change like this during the season, doesn't matter if it's the head coach that got fired or an interim coach. When you make the change, stick with the change. I don't like this flip-flopping quarterback stuff. If Baker lost a job to P.J. Walker because he wasn't playing well, then guess what? P.J. Walker is your starter for the rest of the season. Let him build confidence, develop him for the rest of the season, and see what you get in the offseason from him. But now you want to put Baker Mayfield back in for what? Yes, P.J. Walker didn't have a good game, but guess what? The games that Baker Mayfield was starting, he wasn't playing good either. So what difference does it make? 
You made the change. Stick with Baker. To me, I think this is above Coach Wilkes' head. This is above Steve Wilkes' head. I don't think this is his decision. I think his decision would have been to stick with P.J. Walker. But somebody above his head is saying start Baker Mayfield. That's what I really think it is. Regardless, it's not going to matter because the Ravens are going to whoop their behinds. <laughs> Ravens should understand that, uh, again, with the addition of Roquan Smith, they are now stronger in the run defense. All they really got to do is stop Deontay Freeman, uh, Deontay Foreman, and uh, they should pretty much have this game under wraps. That's really their only weapon on offense is, their, is Deontay Foreman. If they stop that and then force Baker Mayfield to try to beat them, he's not. it's not happening. So, Lamar Jackson, better quarterback, better ingredients, better people. You know, I, I'm sorry. Better ingredients, Papa John's, Papa John's, he's pay me. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. I love this slogan. I haven't had Papa John's in quite a long time. You know, there's better quality pizzas out there. But I didn't say that. Um, anyway. Uh, Ravens over the Panthers here, picking them better aspect in every aspect. They are better quarterback, uh, running back, wide receiver, even wide receiver. Yes, even wide receiver and defense. So Ravens over Panthers. Next, we have Browns and Bills. Bills should get back in the win column here. I don't see the Browns having enough um, to beat them. Bills are only losing to top tier teams i don't see the bills losing to bottom half teams in the league uh if you think about it they they lost to the dolphins and the dolphins have a seven and three record are actually atop the division right now and they just lost to the vikings who are um eight and one now so it's not you know the bills are not losing to the bottom half of the teams they're only going to be losing to if they do lose lose to the best teams in the league so they're not losing to the Browns. Better at quarterback, better in the running game, um, balance in the running game, if you will. And then better at wide receiver, better defense. The Browns do not have a shot, in my opinion. So Bills all day over the Browns. Next, we get to Taylor Henneke. Heineke, Henneke, Henneke, Heineke. And the Washington Commanders going into Houston to face the Houston Texans. Look at the Commanders about to string together a little, little, little mini winning streak. Look at them. Look at them, boy. Washington Commanders should go in and beat the Texans here. They are a better team. Uh, Antonio, as long as Antonio Gibson does his thing, Taylor Henneke leads the team. Even if he doesn't have great numbers, leads the team. And then Scary Terry can get loose. I mean, that's really all you need to beat this team. The Texans are not good at all. And the Washington Commanders come into this game at 5-5. Five and five. They are the better team. They should win Washington Commanders over the Houston Texans. And next, we get to the Eagles at the Colts. Now, Eagles coming off of a loss to the Washington Commanders. Uh, now, this is not going to be an easy game because the Colts can play defense. Uh, now they do have an interim coach in Jeff Saturday, but of course, you know, he is, he is Mr. Indianapolis Colt. So they're going to play hard for him just because they know what he means to the organization and whatnot. Um, but with Matt Ryan against this Eagles defense, I, I'm not confident in that. It really depends on if, uh, Jonathan Taylor can get loose. If Jonathan Taylor can get loose and running back in the running game, 
then the Colts have a shot. But um, the Eagles, I think that they're going to learn from their mistakes in that last game. And although it won't be pretty, it'll probably be kind of ugly. I think the Eagles get the win in this game. So I just don't see it with the Colts. I mean, they 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 can win games with a running game and defense, but I don't see them being consistent. Four or five and one is not consistent. You're four or five and one for a reason. Eight and one is much more consistent. I think that the Eagles get back in the win column, although it's not going to just be like smooth sailing for the rest of the season. But I don't see the Colts barely beating the Raiders and being enough for the Eagles here. So I'm picking the Eagles to win on the road in Indianapolis over the Colts. Next, we have Jets at Patriots, both teams that were on a bye last week, and now they're facing each other here. Um, This go-around, uh, I know what the Patriots did last go-around to the Jets, and so I got to pick the Jets this time. I think the Jets get them back. I don't see them getting swept just because I think the Jets are, this is not your, not your grandpa's Jets, not your dad's Jets, not even my era's Jets. These Jets are coming to play. They're 6-3. and three. They're a game ahead of the Patriots. And having lost to the Patriots, I think they want to at least even the series season series up. So I think coming off a of bye, well-rested, I think they get a win. It's not going to be ugly, uh, pretty. It's going to be ugly. It might even be a low-scoring game. But with all this going on with Mac Jones and the uncertainty of quarterback there and them just not really having any weapons on offense that are, are viable, uh, and their defense being a mere shell in themselves, I think that the Jets overall are a better team. And I think the Jets uh, get the win here um, on the road, and they even up the season series with the Patriots. So picking the Jets over the Patriots here. And we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back after this. Once again, another break, and we'll be back on the other side. We are continuing predictions and analysis for week 11 in the 2022 NFL season. And I am your host, DeValue with Scout Team Sports. Be back in a minute. Scout Team Sports, we're back in it and we're getting back in it, if you will. Back into the 2022-2023 NFL season predictions and analysis in the NFL week 11. Appreciate all my subscribers, everyone who is listening. Even if you're not subscribed, appreciate you for listening. Go ahead and share this podcast with those who enjoy the NFL. And we are getting back into it with the Rams at the Saints. Again, two teams at the bottom here. Don't understand why the Rams don't go out and get a running back. They sorely need a running game, and Cam Akers is not the guy. He wasn't even the guy last year when they won the Super Bowl. They won in spite of him, and they still won't go ahead and get a running back. Kareem Hunt is right there for the picking, uh, and there's a reason why it's going to either be the 49ers or the Seahawks winning a division because neither the Cardinals or the Rams want to get a running back to solidify and help their quarterbacks in the passing game. So, Nonetheless, um, Andy Dalton, on the other hand, it's hard for me to pick him, uh, but it depends on Matthew Stafford if he's actually going to play. If he doesn't, we don't know. Um, injury reports, like I said, I never trust injury injury reports because all of a sudden somebody can be doubtful, and then they say he's out. Then all of a sudden it's a game-time decision, and then he's playing. 
So again, I don't trust until I actually see it. So assuming that if we're going by last week that um, Matthew Stafford doesn't play and that Andy Dalton does, I would have to give the edge to the Saints. Uh, but both these teams are, are really bad. I'm really disappointed in the Rams just because I didn't think they would fall off this bad after winning a Super Bowl. But nonetheless, um, I got to go with the Saints uh, just because when I'm uncertain about Matthew Stafford, um, like I said, I don't trust injury reports. Um, but if we're just going to assume that he's not going to play in this game and Andy Dalton is playing, I'll go with Andy Dalton. But it's not by confident much. Uh, but if the Rams can't do anything on offense, then, I mean, they have no shot, even with as good as their defense is. So picking the Saints over the Los Angeles Rams. Next, we get to the Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. Here is one of the times, again, where many times, actually, where the rubber meets the road for the Lions. And that is in the fact that they're facing, number one, a good defense. Uh, in the Giants. Not great, but a good defense in the Giants. Two, if their offense, if the Lions offense has trouble against the Giants D and they can't win a shootout, they're not winning the football game. And the Giants style of football is they're going to get ahead. Their defense is going to play tough. Even if their defense gets up a little bit of points, their offense will do just enough, play a clean game to where they can get ahead and stay ahead, even if they need to stay ahead by 8 points, 11 points. And I see that this is about an 8 to 11 point win for the Giants, maybe even less. Um, But the Giants will do just enough to get the win. They don't blow anybody out. Uh, but they will have to put the clamps on the Lions, and I believe that they will. And at the same time, Saquon Barkley should run wild. Daniel Jones plays a clean game. They should be fine scoring three to four touchdowns. And I think that's enough along with the Giants defense to beat the Lions. So picking the Giants over the Lions. Next, I am very conflicted because as bad as both these teams are, you would think, uh, well, maybe the Raiders have a shot. They're facing the Broncos in Denver. Now the Raiders already have a win over the Broncos. I think Russell Wilson gets his get back on this one. I think Russell Wilson and the Broncos get their win here over the Raiders just because I think the defense is hungry for a win. The Broncos defense is. Um, The Raiders cannot seem to play a whole game of football. Uh, And the only two times that they have was the first time against the Broncos and then against the Texans. Uh, And uh, I think the Raiders, once again, uh, until they can prove to me that they can consistently play a full game of football on offense, I don't trust them because they're putting way too much pressure on their defense to try to win a game for them that they should be scoring more than the ad at least scoring the average amount of points or more than the average amount of points. So um, I think the Broncos get the win here. I'm just not trusting the Raiders unless they're facing the absolute bottom worst in the league. I'm not trusting the Raiders right now. Even then, depending on who that was, I wouldn't trust the Raiders because they should have... Dude, you had both your road wins before this loss, the home loss to the Colts. You had against the Saints, you should have beat them. You should have beat the Jaguars, and you should have beat the Colts. Instead, you go 0-3 because your offense cannot play a whole game of football. Like I said, they're the more talented side of the football. They're the more high. They're the more higher or highest paid side of the football. 
in the Raiders offense and they're not producing like they're the highest paid side of the football. So until that offense can get their act together and Josh McDaniels can get his act together, which I don't think will ever happen because he shouldn't even be there in the first place. It's hard for me to trust the Raiders and the Broncos still, even with three and six, have a good defense. And Russell Wilson doesn't have to do much as long as he can just be competent and just resemble something like the old Russell Wilson. But nonetheless, I think the Raiders are just there. It's almost it almost seems like they're tanking to the to the point where it's like, OK, Josh McDaniels is just a filler coach, maybe. Um, maybe they keep the GM and let go of Josh McDaniels, but something is wrong. And again, if you're going to just dismiss your interim head coach who got you to the playoffs, who's not supposed to get you to the playoffs because he's an interim head coach and you don't want to give him the head coaching job and you give a guy who doesn't deserve a head coaching job anywhere in the league, a head coaching job. Obviously you don't care about winning football games. Seems to me right now, Mark Davis cares more about the WNBA, the Las Vegas Aces winning the WNBA championship than he does about Raiders winning football games. So, hey, he's got his ownership. He owns his, he owns his teams. He doesn't really care. Okay, fine. You do your thing. Fine. But for us true hardcore Raiders fans, I mean, you could even see it. But when he left Oakland, he was like, yeah, I'm over it. We've done it before. Oh, uh, yeah. Just totally dismissing the Oakland fans like they ain't nothing. Like, dude. Like, I, I really wish we had a new owner. I wish we had a new uh, quarterback. We need a new head coach. I, it's, but ain't nothing we can do. Nothing I can do about it. So, anyway, hoping to work there one day. <laughs> hoping to work there one day. I'm going to clean things up, boy. I'm going to turn it around. Turn this thing on, on his head, boy. I'm going to turn him upside down. We're going to totally overhaul. We're going to overhaul the organization. Uh, and I'm going to bring this team back to prominence. Yes, you just wait. Whatever position I get with the Raiders, if they hire me, we're going to watch this team turn around. Watch. Watch. But if they don't hire me, I'm hey, they got the shot. You want better, you got to hire, brother. Okay? Anyway, uh, picking the Broncos over the Raiders because they're not showing me anything consistent. Next, we've got Cowboys and Vikings. This is another tough one for the Cowboys. Um, I really think they would have been in a better position had they beat the Packers and then coming into this game because if they lose this game, they fall even further behind the Giants and the Eagles. Um, and I know they want to still fight for that division title. And it's one thing to be second place behind the top team in the division, but then you are now second, you are third place now behind uh, the Giants and the Eagles here. Um, with them having one and two losses respectively, and you having three losses right now. And now you go into Minnesota, where they can be, I mean, the thing is the Cowboys D can put the clamps on Kirk Cousins. They really can, I believe. But before you do that, you have to slow down. And maybe they can't shut him down, but they have to slow down Dalvin Cook. You slow down Dalvin Cook. You force Kirk Cousins to win the football game. You blanket Justin Jefferson with double coverage. And you have a shot, not a guarantee, but a shot to win. Meanwhile, your offense has to produce. And they have to produce well. Remember, you're going up against the top half 
of teams in the league now. This is one of them. So an average performance is not going to get it done. You're going to have to even play harder than what it took to almost beat the Packers. And I just don't see the Cowboys ready for that yet. Number one, they don't have the leadership in Mike McCarthy. Two, Dak is hot, cold, hot, cold, going to throw too much. Then they don't run the football enough. You got Tony Pollard in who's doing well. But then is that going to be enough? Is just one receiver doing well in the game going to be enough against what the Vikings have? I think the Vikings can hurt you in more ways because if you're talking about the combo of running back and receiver, I trust Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson way more than I do Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb to produce, to blow this game wide open. So, and then you're talking about quarterback play. When it comes to quarterback play, I really don't, I don't, I don't like either choice. I really don't. I don't like Dak or Kurt, but I think it gets taken out of their hands and whoever has to try to win the game coming from behind, I think is eventually going to crumble under the pressure. And I think that's Dak because if Dak has to try to come from behind and with CeeDee Lamb in the passing game and try to win a football game, that's not happening. It's not happening against the Vikings D and against an offense who can produce running the football and through the air. And I just think with that versatility, they wear down the Cowboys defense, not take anything away from the Cowboys defense, but they wear down the Cowboys defense. If Dalvin Cook cooks, you can forget it. So I'm picking the Vikings over the Cowboys. Next, we have Bengals at Steelers. I think Bengals get in another win here over the Steelers. Crazy win how the season started with the Bengals losing in overtime when they had plenty of time in plenty of opportunities in overtime to beat the Steelers. But the Steelers come away with the win. I think the Bengals get their get back here. The Bengals are a better team even though not by much in the win win and loss column, five and four to the Steelers, three and six, but the Bengals are still a better team. They cannot afford to get swept by the lowly Steelers. And so I think that the Bengals get the win on the road against Pittsburgh here. Joe Burrow, better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. Uh, they're better in the running game by Joe Mixon. Um, and I think Jamar Chase is still out, but... They have enough at the wide receiving core to where they are better even at wide receiver at this point than the Steelers. So they shouldn't lose this game. I don't see them getting swept by the Steelers. It would be a very big embarrassment if they did. Uh, And they've already lost to the Steelers. They've already lost to the Browns. And if they're trying to have any hope to get to the playoffs, let alone compete with the Ravens for a division title, which I still don't think that they will do, uh, they need this division rival win here. So picking the Bengals over the Steelers next you get another division rival game in Sunday night football when the Chiefs come to LA to face the Chargers gonna go with the Chiefs in this one uh just because it doesn't seem like you know I know that everybody thought that and I thought too that this division was going to be a bloodbath with all the stars the star-studded teams but so many guys are getting injured now you would think okay the Chargers um have a stronger defense so they're going to be able to get after Pat Mahomes better but with JC Jackson 
who they got from the Patriots, and that was their key as far as uh, defensive backs and cornerbacks uh, to play well against whoever, whomever in the Chiefs wide receiving core. With him not being there, uh, Joey Bosa's up in the air, and all you really got is Khalil Mack consistently playing on defense um, that's playing well. That does not spell success for the Chargers' defense. And then you throw in the fact that the Chargers' offense is hurt because they don't have Keenan Allen. Maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. They don't have Mike Williams. And so all you've got is Mr. Carter uh, from Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert to DeAndre Carter, and that's all you got with an average running back in um, Austin Eckler going up against this defense where if if it was a full-power Chargers team, I would think they'd be able to score a lot more points. But because their offense is depleted, their defense is depleted and inconsistent, I don't see how the Chargers win this football game. So picking the Chiefs over the Chargers on Sunday night football. And lastly, you have Cardinals uh, hosting the 49ers. Picking the 49ers in this one. Uh, just because I think that they've got their mojo back, although it be was still with Jimmy Garoppolo, whom uh, uh, Coach Shanahan does not want. But it's what you got, and it's what you got to roll with. And now that you have another offensive weapon in McCaffrey, you don't really have to worry about the whole game being in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. He can get the ball dumped off to McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, let them do their thing in the running game, just play it safe, make safe, clean passes in the passing game, you can throw it to McCaffrey, you can throw it to Debo, you can throw it to George Kittle, Uh, if he's healthy, you can throw it to Brandon Ayuk, they should be fine in this game, and with their defense, uh, whether they have Kyler Murray to worry about or not, I still think that the Niners should get the job done even on the road, not a long of a travel for them. So picking the 49ers over the Cardinals on Monday night football on the road. And that will conclude your week 11 predictions and analysis for the NFL 2022-2023 season. I am your host, Devalian. As always, I do greatly appreciate all of my subscribers, all of my listeners, even if you're not subscribed. However many times you listen, I do greatly appreciate it, uh, even if it's only one. Um, Please continue to like and subscribe and share this podcast with all NFL fans that you know. As we continue to roll and we continue to grow, uh, this is my life love uh, in terms of covering sports and especially covering football. Uh, so be on the lookout. We're going to we're going to we're going to try to get that college football thing going, especially we'll start off with uh, the uh, college football playoff this season. We're going to we're, we're following we're monitoring football and uh, college football right now, uh, but we're not going to cover it until the college football playoff. At that point, I'll make my predictions and then we will uh, usher in uh, uh, next season with the college football season and covering that as well. So once again, this is Devalian with Scout Team Sports. Once again, please continue to like, please continue to subscribe, please continue to listen and share this podcast with all NFL sports fans. I believe until you stop breathing, we will be back next week with a recap of week 11 and then week 12 predictions and analysis. Again, I am Devalian with Scout Team Sports. Believe until you stop breathing and we'll see you next week.